Eddie, we're in the eye of the storm, Logan Paul, KSI Press Week. Are you expecting any uh, fun and games at the press conference on Thursday? Obviously, we've seen in the past they, they're explosive yeah. press conferences. What are you expecting? Of course, because they're entertainers. This is what they do. They drive numbers, they drive interest, and they'll be doing it all week. You know, we've got the open workout here. Look at the turnout already. They've got like an hour to go before they even turn up. And it's amazing that this new audience, these are people, they don't come to open workouts, this audience. So I'm hoping they're going to watch Billy Joe, they're going to watch Devin Haney, and they're going to pick up their Instagram or their Twitter, follow them and become fans as well, and watch them perform on Saturday night. So this week is just going to be building and building. The early pre-pay-per-view buyers on all platforms are absolutely huge. The world's intrigued. Some are criticising. You know, some are obsessed with it, and uh, I can't wait because I have no idea what's going to happen. But what I do guarantee is a wild night and pure madness all week. Yeah, you kind of want the wild night, but you don't want it to spill over to anything else um, unsavoury. With the entourages and stuff like that, are you, you know, are you expecting anything to happen in that domain? These aren't, you know, they're not bad kids. They don't hang around with bad people. You know, we, we work in a sport where you've got some people coming from some bad neighbourhoods who have bad upbringings and they're here to fight. These guys aren't, but they want to win badly. And in their world, this is really, really important. Like you heard Logan Paul say he's going to turn KSI into a meme. And what that means is whoever loses this fight, particularly by knockout, every time they post, every time they tweet, they are going to be hit with this meme of them getting knocked out. And it will really affect their career, by the way. So there isn't legacy on the line. There isn't world titles. But there is a lot in, online in terms of their career and credibility. And by the way, both desperate to win. I mean, you have to take you out to them. They've trained very, very hard, you know, with proper trainers, with proper camps, with proper sparring. And they're here to try and win this fight. You know, they're real, real competitors. You're not going to see Marvin Hagler against Sugar Ray Leonard, but you're going to see an exciting fight with two guys, two megastars, completely out of their comfort zones with small gloves on. And I really believe it'll end inside the distance. Just in other boxing news, I wonder what your response was to Tyson Fury taking Dillian White's uh, mandatory position with the WBC. Is that a decision that frustrates you at all? Yeah, like, nothing surprises me now. You know, I think that uh, I don't see how they can, you know, suspend his position when he's not suspended himself by any, any governing bodies or particularly by any doping agencies. So, but again, you know, we still want UCAD to hurry up and make a statement on that fight because it's almost on that situation because it's almost getting boring now. You know, um, but again, it's a. I think the whole franchise situation, you know, mandatory situations, it's just madness, really, and uh, it's almost like a decision of convenience. I think more than anything else. Uh, do you think we'll see Dillian White fight before the year is out, or is that still TBC? Possibly. I mean, there's a chance he could box on our uh, show in America on December 20th. We're talking at the moment, but uh, it will be the end of this year or first thing next year. And uh, any more announcements for the AJ on the card out in Saudi? Kel Brook is a name that keeps being floated around. Yeah, there's potential for him to go on the card. We're looking at that at the moment. And also another couple of announcements and one more heavyweight fight. Um, you know, the main event will be coming to you at 9pm UK time. So we'll only be having three or four fights before that. And uh, most of those are already set. Hunter Bevetkin, of course, is the, the co-main event. Great heavyweight fight. And uh, gearing up for a big night in Saudi Arabia. And now Canelo's won at the weekend, obviously. The onus moves towards, will Billy Joe be in that fight? Uh, is Andrade available? Uh, will it be Callum Smith-Canelo? Well, what do you think will happen? I mean, Callum Smith's got to beat John Ryder first, obviously. Of course, and that's a very tough fight, November 23rd. Uh, we've got five guys waiting for uh, Canelo, and I'm not talking about the burgers. We've got Gennady Golovkin, Callum Smith, Demetrius Andrade, Billy Joe Saunders, and Dimitri Bivol, which is a unification at 175. So. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see which one he picks. I think Triple G is the fight that he should take in May. I do believe they like the Billy Joe Saunders fight as well. He's got to look good 
at the Staples Centre on Saturday night in his world title defence. So we've got them all lining up. We want another crack at what has to be considered now as the pound for pound number one in the sport. Top man, Eddie. Thank you. This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. We're in Los Angeles at a KSI Logan Paul 2 on Saturday evening. With me on the bill, Defenders WBC Lightweight World title, Devin Haney. Devin, nice to see you again. How are you feeling, mate? I'm feeling great. You know, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to Saturday night. I'm ready. Um, we're getting closer. You know, Saturday night, I look to put on a great performance. You've been involved in some big nights, but it's fair to say this is a, a unique event, a unique experience. You've obviously got the world title now to defend on Saturday night. Has it felt any different this week to you? Um, no, you know, this week has felt, you know, the same as, same as, you know, any other fight week, you know, I'm, I'm focused, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, you know, um, I can't wait till Saturday night. Now, as we know, you, you're quite big at the weight now, 135, you've just got the world title there, but how are you feeling at the weight this week? Do you feel that you've got a few more fights in you before you have to move up? Um, I feel great, you know, um, like I said, the 135 pound is, division is not easy for me to make, you know, I've been saying this for you know, a few fights now, but it takes a lot of discipline, you know, and, and I understand that. But, you know, in, in 2020, you know, I want to do, you know, maybe two title defenses, one or two title defenses in big fights and then bump up to 140. Everyone seems to talk about the 135 pounders we could see you face, you know, the likes of Lomachenko always come up, Ryan Garcia, I'm guessing you've been asked about an awful lot this week, even Javante Davis, but you mentioned there you want to get a couple defences and then move up to 140. Is there anyone you've got your eye on at 140 as well? The Josh Taylor fights there, that would be fairly easy to make probably with Eddie there? Honestly, I really don't know that many guys at 140, to be honest. Um, the, the 135-pounder division is, is, the, the, is one of the hottest divisions right now. So that's really that's been my main focus. But uh, when, I, when I go to 140, then we'll see. But all the, none of that happens if you know, I don't take care of business Saturday night, and that's, my, that's the most important thing right now. Devin, you and I spoke about your fight yesterday, so I just want to try and take things on a little different angle and go back to when you first turned professional. We touched on it briefly yesterday, but I just wanted to... to discuss it with you really you went over to Mexico uh, you're too young to turn pro in the States had your fights out there. I think it was four fights on the spin out in Mexico before you fought in the States what was that experience like for you sort of going out there and, and being involved in these shows of people obviously not backing you out there intimidating atmospheres what was that like and and how did that develop you as a human being and as a fighter you know going to Mexico wasn't as easy as a lot of people think you know everybody was against me the whole I mean as far as the crowd was you know um you know the the, the fights were they weren't the toughest fights, but you know, you you didn't know what could happen. You didn't know if you can get a bad decision. If you know the guy hits you and they stop the fight for 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 no reason, you know. So you had to go in there and be sharp. You know, when I came to fight in in the U.S., it was it felt in, in the beginning stage it was easier, you know, because all my fans was there, all my family family was there. So it just it just I felt it was easy easier. But you know, it, it all developed developed me for the fighter that I am now, and I'm thankful for for you know everything that led up to this point. A lot of fighters are following your trend now of sort of missing Olympic cycles or staying amateur a bit longer. A lot of young American fighters are doing as you did and turning pro to get their experience from a very young age. Are you incredibly glad you made that decision as a, as a young fighter to, to not sort of continue your amateur career and sort of try and develop yourself, not only in Mexico, but then eventually across here as well as an incredibly young fighter? Yeah, it's one of the best decisions that I made, actually, you know. Um if I didn't, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. You know, if I, I probably, I probably would still be amateur trying to make the Olympics. And I'm very thankful that I turned professional and started my pro career because now I'm the youngest pro champion in boxing, and I'm very thankful and, and happy about that. Can you put a price on that toughening up process that you went through? Is that invaluable? Definitely, you just would have to go through it.
Do you think if, if all being well Saturday, this will be you for the year now? That'll be it until 2020? Definitely. You know, this is my last fight and, and until 2020. I just, on Saturday night, it'll be 43 days since my last fight. So I've been, I've, I've been pretty busy. And, um, you know, it's just after this, you know, it'll be time for rest and, you know, enjoy the holidays with my family and uh, enjoy a nice win. Last time I saw you before this, Devin, um, was over in the UK. We were at your open workout. Uh, lots of people there. Huge presence, I'm sure you remember, being crammed around at ringside with Eddie Hearn. And the main question people are drilling at is, when are you going to come to the UK? We want to see you fight in the UK. The Luke Campbell dangling carrot's always there as well. Is that something you plan for next year, to come over and fight that side of the water? Um, you know, uh, I, I do want to fight in the UK. I don't know how soon you know, it'll happen. But uh, uh, Luke Campbell, he's been he's been talking a lot. I've been hearing what you know him say say certain things when he could have fought me, you know, a while ago. But if he want to fight me, he can come to Staples Center and fight me. Final question, Devin. Another UK fighter, uh, perhaps not the profile of Luke Campbell, that keeps making a lot of noise when it comes to yourself. Joe Laws, there's been a bit of interaction there. Joe Laws making a lot of noise. Anything you would say to him, or is, or is that irrelevant to you? Well, you know, did you know he was doing stand-up comedy as well? Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, he does. St he does stand-up comedy as well. So, you know, he's a funny guy, and I understand that he's bad. That he, you know, he, he has a few jokes. You know, so I let him do 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 what he do. You know what he does, and um, I'm okay with it. Devin, best luck for Saturday night. Thank you as always for making time for Boxing Social. Kugan Cassius, IFL TV, MTK Global. Delighted to be joined by Andy Ruiz, Unified Heavyweight Champion. It's been a while, Andy. How are you, mate? I'm good, man. It's been a it's been a while, but it's been a blessing while. So, um, you know, I'm just training hard, staying disciplined, and focused for December 7th. Andy, since June the 1st, it must have been kind of a bit of a whirlwind. Can you kind of summarize how that's been for you? And just, it's all lies on you at the moment, isn't it? Of course, you know, this is what we've been dreaming about. This is what I've been working for my whole life. So I had the opportunity, I took advantage of it, and, you know, and I became the first Mexican heavyweight champion of the world, and we made history and we made my, my dreams come true. How does it make you feel that prior to the fight that literally no one I spoke to outside of your team gave you a chance? It was like, this is a decent opponent for Anthony Joshua to fight at short notice but no one was really giving you the time of day going into that fight, which is the truth. You know what, everybody's been doubting me, everybody's been criticizing me, just the way that I look. I think I just needed that, that right moment and the right chance to, to prove who Andy Ruiz really is. So uh, thank you, Eddie Hearns, for giving me this opportunity, and I'm sorry for beating Anthony Joshua, and that's what we're planning to do on December 7th again. So, you know, don't get your hopes up because this chubby kid is training really hard. Andy, it was a shock to everyone when the fight, uh, the rematch was announced for Saudi Arabia. What reservations did you have about going out there? Where was we know your preferred place of venue would have been back home in Mexico, uh, but how did you feel about actually going now out to Saudi Arabia to take this rematch? You know, at first it was a little, a little iffy, but I thought I was going to be back in New York. You know, I would have loved it, um, would have run it back in New York City. Um, even over there in England, um, I tell you the truth, where no matter no matter where it's at, um, it's just me and him inside the ring. You know, there, there's there's no there's no help. It's only me and him inside the ring. So um, I think Saudi Arabia is a beautiful country. It's a beautiful place, 
And, you know, there's, there's a lot of boxing fans out there. So I think it, it couldn't have been in a better place. After Dylan White's fight with Oscar Rivas, you echoed some feelings about not wanting to come to the UK. Can you kind of talk to me about that a little bit? Um, yeah, you know, of the, of the testing, of, of all that stuff. But, um, you know, that has been on us, like, like yeah, looking for us like hawks, you know. And, you know, they've been testing us every almost every two weeks, every week. So, you know, I, I'm not really... I'm not really iffy about any of that, you know. Like I said, it's only me and, and AJ inside of the ring, and um, I think it's whoever wants it and and whoever has that will and and that power to to win the fight is gonna win the fight. So what we've been doing here, working hard, training, sparring a lot, um, you know, busting our ass off. I think that's what's gonna help us win our fight. There was a picture or a video that went on social media, which you, you'll be aware of, that kind of got everyone talking and speculating, etc., etc., and blowing it out of proportion, as social media likes to do, Andy. But I just wanted to make you to make some kind of comment on that and how that kind of escalated into all these kind of rumors on social media. Well, there's a lot of videos that people have been talking crap about. Which video are you? The one with the syringe. The which one? The, there was a clip of you uh, with a syringe, and everyone was kind of like, "What? What is this about?" Etc. What uh, syringe? Like um, what you use to inject something in with? Oh, um, oh, of, of me giving somebody a shot. I was Mr. Do I was Mr. Andy Doctor that day, so I was giving my my good friend um, Anthony Garnica a B12 shot because you know he's been cutting weight, so I think he needed a a B12 shot so I gave it to him and he was moving around and I kind of I kind of did it pretty bad but he moved you know so I think it hurt him more yeah we just we saw that and everyone obviously listen like I said it's people on social media kind of always uh looking for negative uh implications shall we say but I just wanted to ask you that we knew what it was because we kind of heard an explanation of that but I wanted to hear that from you anyway no nah, um there's no way that I'm going to be taking no PDs, no steroids, nothing, man. I'm still the same chubby kid, just with energy. And, you know, we, we bust our ass off inside of the ring. Yeah, I have my cheat days here and there, but um, it's just working hard, man. Just just working hard. I don't need to take any of those supplements. or I think once people take those, is they don't have confidence in themselves. So, you know, I'm just a naturally gifted person, I guess. From certain pictures and, and, and shots that we've seen of you, Andy, it seems like you have turned down. Can you tell us exactly kind of how much weight, if you have, lost any between the Joshua fight and to this point now, a month out from the fight? You know, right now I'm only like three pounds less than what I when I fought Anthony Joshua. So a lot of people are saying he looks too skinny, um, he's not going to be strong, this and that. Those are people that don't really know about boxing. And, you know, we've been looking really good in, inside the ring. And, you know, I just want to be six pounds, eight pounds lighter than I was for the first and June 1st. So um, I think that's the goal right now, just to be eight pounds lighter. And is going to make me feel a lot better? Is it going to make me feel more slicker, more faster? And, um, you know, it isn't a tell on December 7th. Because I think people are suggesting that you've lost a lot more weight than three pounds. I didn't know whether it was three pounds or not. I'm kind of listening to people thinking I wasn't sure whether or how much weight you've actually lost. Yeah, right now it's three pounds less. Um, I weighed in at 268, I think, for Anthony Joshua's fight, the first one. And I'm planning to be like at 260 for this fight. You know, I'm, I don't want to lose too much because I want to be strong. I want to 
feel good for, for December 7th. So a lot of people are saying that. I know a lot of people have been messaging me, hey, don't lose too much weight. Hey, you're going to be weak. Hey, this, that. But you know what? We just, I listen to what we do inside the, the gym, and we know what we're doing and what we're doing it for. Uh, let me ask your opinion about Tyson Fury. He was in the WWE recently. Oh, yeah. um, he's always kind of here and, there. Had, yeah, here and there doing his thing, etc. What did you make of uh, him entering that WWE? You know what? I think that's a good opportunity for him, you know, because boxing is not forever. So if he wants to go that route and continue another career, I think that's good for him, you know. I don't really have nothing bad to say about him, even though he talks crap about everybody else, you know. But... I'm a humble guy. Um, I treat everybody the same. I treat everybody the way that they treat me. So, um, you know, Tyson Fury, I think that's a good move for him. Just don't stay away too long from boxing because, um, I don't know, the timing, the, the all that might be a little different when he goes back inside the ring. When I spoke to you about seven years ago in the top-ranked gym, Andy, the fighter I asked you about, Remember? you said, yeah. I, and I, I didn't even know Anthony Joshua. Who told you about Anthony Joshua, Andy? You did. Did, I actually. did, I did. I said to look out for a 10-0 and 0 prospect at the time. And so that was obviously the wheels in motion to, to what happened. But the, the fighter you said you wanted to fight was Tyson Fury. That was seven years ago. Seven years ago, you know, because he was the one that was top of the game, you know. And everybody was scared to fight him just because he was big, long, difficult. But to tell you the truth, with my style, I make every style difficult because of my speed, the, the movement, because I'm short. So, um... I think me and Tyson Fury will be a, re a really good fight after um, my fight December 7th. Wilder Ortiz coming up as well, Andy, on the 23rd of this month. How do you see that going? Is it the same outcome as the first fight for you? I think it's going to be the same outcome. You know, um, Wilder's a younger man, the stronger man. So, um, plus he's a good friend of mine. So, uh, I'm going to cheer for, for Wilder for November. Um, just going into December 7th, uh, Andy, is it... Obviously not asking you to obviously give a game plan away, but are we to kind of expect a similar approach to the fight going into this tactically? You know, um, it all depends how he starts the how we start the fight. You know, if he tries to box around, then I'm going to have to cut the rings and throw my combinations and, and pressure him. But if he wants to exchange punches and attack like that, I think that would be, that would be even more funner for the fans, you know, because a lot of the fans, they want to see us get knocked out, they want to see us get hurt, they want to, they want action. So um, hopefully there's going to be a lot of action December 7th and with my name and victory. Do you believe that he's trimmed down, if looking at pictures of Anthony Joshua at the moment? You know what, I have seen that he did trim down, he lost a little bit of weight. I don't know if that's going to be good for him, um, but you know, uh, he, I've seen a lot of fights of him, man, and he's not good boxing around. I know he's been practicing, been working, but inside of the ring, it's it's a lot, it's different. And you can't um, use those different, it, it, can't, it can't be that quick to learn to learn those skills. So, um, but no matter what he has up his sleeve, it's my job for, for me, for him not to, to do that, you know? Just a couple more, just because I know you obviously was on your way That's out, Andy, okay. I much appreciate it. Asking good, good questions and all that. Uh, Andy, mentally, where do you think Anthony Joshua is at the moment, mentally? I think right now he's he's a little pressured, you know. I think he's he's more focused on, um, you know, getting the belts back. I think he's worried about other stuff. Um, but I think he's, he's in it to win it, you know. Um, you know, he wouldn't have picked this fight for nothing. 
and you know uh hopefully he, he brings it you know december 7th because i'm gonna do whatever it takes to retain those belts and and bring them back over here what, what sticks out for me before prior to the joshua fight and the week of the fight was you asking to take your picture with the belts and everyone was kind of on your case and saying why is he why is he doing that and you wanted your pictures done with the belt three days prior to the fight um, if you were in a similar situation with Joshua, I'm not saying he's going to want to do that, but um, do you kind of look back at that point, Andy, and think to yourself, I knew what I was doing there because I knew that these belts were going to come to me? You know what? I think it was all motivation. When he gave me the belts, when I told him, hey, can I hold them? Um, he was just like, yeah, man. Um, and a lot of people were saying, hey, Andy, it's bad luck if you hold the belts. Or they were telling Anthony Joshua, hey, it's bad luck if you let him hold your belts. I think that's all... It's all fairytale stuff, you know? Um, I think it's either you got it or you don't. And I think when I hold those belts, I said, you know what, these are gonna be mine. And I started praying and I started praying and until they became mine. Um, Andy, I remember interviewing you in the hotel room uh, in May. And I remember your kids were running around. And you, I didn't know at the time that you, one of your, your kids called AJ, yeah? So you were, you were like, AJ, shut up. And I was like, I didn't know your kid was called AJ. So I was like, is this how he's psyching himself up for the Joshua? For Joshua? <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Nah, he's my, he's my little destroyer, man. He's always, he's up and down everywhere. A lot of energy. And, um, you know, I would love for him to be a boxer as well. But us fighters, I think we fight so they don't have to fight. So, um, yeah, his name is AJ. Um, <laughs> uh, Andy Reid's the third. But, uh, you know, this is what we work hard for, for the kids. How happy is your mother? My mom's really happy, you know? She's really happy right now. She's a little nervous. All mothers are nervous, you know, for the fights and all that, but inside of her heart, she knows I already won. I accomplished my dreams. Um, I get to provide for them and help them out whenever they need help. And not just for my mom, but my brother, my sister, and especially for my kids to have their future set. Everyone's kind of loved your story. Even people in the UK have kind of loved to see you know, that moment after the press conference where you said to your mum, you know, you ain't got to work no more. Everyone kind of loved that and everyone has in the UK as well taken to you. So it's not a personal thing. Joshua's from the UK, so everyone's kind of supporting him. But you kind of know how the game works with that. Of course, you know, and the main thing that she tells me is just to remain humble. Even if you're on top of the world, you guys still got to remain humble. You still got to treat people the same way that they treat you. And I think that's, that's what I've been doing, you know, remaining humble and... You know, there, there's been a lot of people trying to get in. People think that I'm going to have a big entourage and this and that, so many people around me, but, you know, I still have the same people that I won the first, the heavyweight champion of the world, and those are the same people I'm going to have for a long time. So right now, just remain humble, stay focused, stay disciplined, and get ready for December 7th because I know it's not going to be easy, and I know it's going to take a lot of sacrifice to retain those belts. Just finally, hypothetically, things to go well for you on December 7th. If I could pick two fights for you for next year, ideally anyone, who do you fight in 2020? After, um, because my focus is on December 7th and I need to win that fight against Anthony Joshua, that's the most important fight right now that I see. But I would love to fight um, Wilder. I know he's a good friend of mine. Me and him control the heavyweight division. We're in the same team as well. We're both signed by Al Heyman, so I love to fight him. Or, um, you know, there's Tyson Fury. Maybe I'll give the 
the rematch. I would love to get the rematch with jo with Joseph Parker because I wasn't really prepared for that fight, you know. And and um, I kind of trained myself for that fight. And look, it almost won. So I know I could get that win. Joseph Parker's a fight that a lot of people thought you won as well, Andy. You know, I wanted to see the fight with him and Chisora. I don't know what happened. He, well, got he was bit by a spider, yeah. By a yeah. spider, uh, but they still had like a week, uh, month for, for the fighter or something like that. So I was looking really forward to that fight. I think Chisora did really good against David Price. And, you know, our respect to, to all fighters, you know, because we all risk our lives inside of the ring and we all do it for our loved ones. This is genuinely the last question. I know I did say that before. <laughs> Alexander Usek is now a heavyweight. He obviously made his heavyweight debut in Chicago last month. But how do you think he's going to fare in the heavyweight div division? Let's talk about him fighting Derek Chisora next year as well. I think that's going to be a good fight. You know, I think he still has a little bit more to improve. I think the heavyweight, um, it's a lot different than cruiserweight, you know. And um, he, he looked all right for, from his last fight, a guy that hasn't fought in I don't know how, how long. And um, he took the punch as well. And, um, but I think he's a really good fighter, a really skilled fighter. He's lefty, he boxes around, and uh, he can make a lot of people, uh, you know, it could be difficult for a lot of people. And of course, um, I think he's, he's mandatory too for the WBO. So, you know, I, I'm not scared of nobody, you know, I'm not ducking nobody. So I'm here to fight the best because that's how we remain the best, you know. So I think that, that would be a good fight against me and Uzek as well. Absolutely. Andy Ruiz, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV and uh, we look forward. We're both coming out to Saudi Arabia in, in December, so best of luck, my friend. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And look, look this video up on IFL TV. Top man. Thank you very much. This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. We're in Los Angeles, nice location at Village Beach. Don't normally see you this side of the pond. Normally it's in London, isn't it? <laughs> no, we do a lot of stuff over here too. We just did a big fight. Uh, we had the fight at the uh, Forum. That was uh, over here in LA. It was great. We were actually did the open workout right here in Venice. It's great to be back. It is a great location. Brilliant location. Now, I know you're a hardcore boxing fan. When this was first announced that two YouTubers would be headlining a stable center on a, on a matron build his own, Eddie Hearn, what was your reaction then? And has it changed to now? No, I think, look, listen, I'm, I'm a big proponent for boxing. And the fact that these guys are big YouTube stars and they're involved in boxing and they're bringing eyes to it, I think it's a great thing. So, you know, I know the hardcore boxing fans aren't going to be so into it. But there are a lot of new faces that will be into it. And if that can bring more eyes to our sport, I think it's a good thing. And especially they're going to see guys like BJ Saunders and Devin Haney and Rashad Mahdi and Nikita Ababi and, you know, Diego Pacheco and Alexis Espino. They're going to see all this great young talent. So to me, I think it's, uh, it could be really good for the sport. Do you think there's a the health concern? We always know there is a health concern in any sort of uh, combat sport. But... Where these guys are making their professional debut, no head guards, the gloves, etc., are going to be completely different for them. I think there's a bit of a more of a risk with these two. 
Uh, not necessarily. I mean, I think they know what they're getting into. Um, you know, obviously they don't have the, the backgrounds that a lot of these other fighters have, but they've been training. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, no, I don't think there's any necessarily more risk. I mean, boxing's an inherently dangerous sport. We know that. You looking forward to working on this builder? Yeah, it should be a great card. I mean, again, Devin Haney, BJ Saunders, Rashad Mahdi, Nikita Bobby, Alexis Suspino, um, and then the KSI Logan Paul. If you watch the first fight, I mean, the skill might not have, have been, you know, uh, tip top, but uh, the heart was. I mean, those guys fought really hard. So uh, now they're taking this really serious, um, and you've seen that in their training camps. Um, and Logan Paul, to be honest, he actually he threw his jab really nice. He just gassed really early. Um, KSI threw a lot of big, massive punches. So we'll see. I mean, at cruiserweight, they're, they're fighting a cruiser. So one of those punches lands with the smaller gloves, no headgear. Could be a different story. Talking about cruiserweight, <laughs> rumors, well, not rumors, but talk after Canelo Kovalev that Canelo could do cruiserweight. I don't know if he was uh, having a bit of a tongue-in-cheek from, from his side, but there were certain sort of uh, people in the media saying, yeah, we could see him at cruiserweight. Do you think he could make that jump? It is the biggest weight jump in boxing. I mean, look, we've seen a lot of crazy things in boxing before. I wouldn't be surprised. But again, I think, you know, uh, Canelo is, uh, he, obviously he's kind of the, the face of boxing right now. He's the big superstar. Um, great performance against Kovalev. Um, you know, it was a pretty even fight, pretty close fight up until, up until it wasn't. Um, you know, but he's, again, he's kind of following like the Mayweather uh, uh, blueprint where he's going after guys with big names that are kind of getting a little bit longer in the tooth. So if he wants to fight at 175 against a guy like Betterbiev or Bivol or Vozdik, you know, it might be a little bit different. I mean, these are guys in their primes, um, so that's, that's going to be a different thing. And if this guy wants to move up to Cruiser and fight, you know, guys like Doherty Coase or Breedis, it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a different story. I mean, this is the thing. You look, at, you look at Kovalev in that fight, just even his body language, his face, it just he kind of didn't look like he really... It almost looked like he was just trying to survive the whole situation rather than coming in like really being the crusher of old. He didn't really have that, you know. And um, you know, when you're when you're that when you're bigger than a guy and you have that really great jab, which we saw the great jab, he just didn't let the right hand go at all. You know, he was really tentative. He was afraid of that counter punching. But you know, when you're a big guy like that, you got to really impose your will, especially early, because when you get a really phenomenal fighter like a guy like a, like a Canelo, he's, you know, a lot of these early rounds, he's sussing out information from you and he's timing you. And then that's, that's when he, he caught him, you know, and he knocked him out. So I believe that a, a younger Kovalev, it would have been a very different fight than what we saw Saturday night. You know, it's one of those fights that is very special because of what's at stake. So obviously the Muhammad Ali Trophy, Unified World Championships. But it's also a fight that I think has captured a whole continent. Um, you know, it's the biggest fight I think that has ever been seen in Asia between two Asian fighters. Obviously we've got a huge history here of big fights. You know, we're, our team hotel is opposite the Tokyo Dome where Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson some years ago now. And of course you've got Frida Manila. Uh, in the Philippines. So you've had massive fights in Asia, but I do think this is the biggest fight that Asia has ever seen between two Asians. 
and um, so much at stake, you know. So uh, it feels very real now that it's all weighed in. You know, it's all been very pleasant between the two of them, very respectful. Um, but at the weigh-in, the face-off was different. Uh, I noticed it, um, and I think a lot of people around who know boxing noticed it. Uh, there was there was certainly a, a very very coolness between them today, um, and that respect is obviously still there. But you could feel the, the tension rising for for the big fight now. You know, you you feel that the, the, the feel the tension between face-offs is always different. I feel between a press conference and a and a weigh-in. Uh, it's 24 hours of that first bell. They've been making weight. Um, you know, they, but th that look today between the two of them, as I said, that the respect, of course, is still there. But it was a very strong air of frostiness, and you could feel it off both of them that they can't wait for that first bell to go now. It, it's it's massive. I think it's some of the biggest press conferences I've ever seen in uh, in boxing, bigger than pay-per-view press conferences. Uh, huge, huge, huge numbers uh, turning out here, and it's uh, it's media only, and you see why because you'd probably have to rent a stadium if you did it with fans. You know, 22,000 people in that arena, totally sold out tomorrow night. Um, I think we could have put it in something even bigger, um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's one of those events that through fight week. It has captured the nation. You really feel it. You know, opening the papers this morning, you don't have to open them because on the front page was already a picture of our wonderful uh, Muhammad Ali trophy. Um, so, you know, it was, you know, the whole country is behind uh, their man, Inouye. Uh, you have Donaire, who has been there before. He has been there many, many more times, obviously, than, uh, than Inouye has in these situations. And Donaire has won everything. Uh, from you know, from multiple world titles at multiple weights to fighter of the year, to fighter of the year, to KO of the year. So his CV is much more impressive than Anui's, but we all know uh, that the monster is coming tomorrow night and uh, it's going to be you know, a question whether Anui is able to, as he said at the press conference, climb that wall. You know, Donaire, interestingly, compared himself to building the wall and you know, he, with all that experience, don't forget, Donaire himself, massive puncher, especially at bantamweight, massive puncher. We saw that in the in the semi-final with that that showreel knockout. But Inui turned it round to make his statement, um, his challenge. You know, his challenge is, as he says, I'm going to climb that wall tomorrow. And for him, it's an honour to stand in the ring with him. That's what he said. And uh, if you read into those words, at first you you see it as a compliment, but actually it's. Uh, it's a, it's a bit of uh, Japanese uh, psychological warfare going on there. You know, definitely Inui is the, uh, is, is the, is the attraction on, on the card. People want to see what this is all about. They've seen these, these, these times of, you know, incredible timings of stoppages. I think it, if he stops in a round and a half, he's done it, he's won the Ali Trophy all three rounds within 10 minutes. You know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's astounding. Um, I certainly don't expect that to happen. Um, and I think that you know what makes this so interesting is that everyone knows Donaire. They know what he brings to the ring. So you know we're, we're going to see a we're going to see a real clash of, of two fighters who are at very different points of their career, but have a huge amount of respect for each other. But at the same time, know they're going to war tomorrow night.